Hello? Hello? Rethink. Rethink. Reimagine. Reimagine. Okay. Okay. Okay, America. Okay, America. Welcome back to the podcast where we rethink and we reimagine all possibilities. So finally, we are doing a show that I feel like I have really been anticipating and waiting on and and wanting to do for a very long time. Don't get me wrong. All of our podcasts are really special. All of our guests are definitely amazing. And yet this recording is so important, especially during this time where, you know, you find so many people stressed out and basically losing their shit. So today we're going to be talking about mindset and uh, we're going to be speaking with a mindset champion. Okay. Usually I have other hosts with me and I, I have to mention my other hosts before I get into giving you my guest bios and introducing my guests to you. So usually we have Dr. Phil here. I want to send a shout out to Dr. Phil and I also want to send a shout out to my other host who usually is here, Juliet. So they have taken off for today and they have left me here (laughs) to do this wonderful show uh, with our lovely guests. And then of course I have Sam in the background who is always holding it down for me. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest today. His name is Gary Chappell. His bio is absolutely amazing, you guys. His name does not show up in the headline news. He's not considered a guru, yet few people on the planet have touched the lives of so many other human beings. His efforts have given birth to countless spiritual self-help and financial gurus. Chappell has a knack for identifying diamonds in the rough, polishing them up, and putting them on center stage to change people's lives for good. An enforcement and joint venture with this man is considered the pinnacle of success by many up-and-coming gurus. He has worked with Anthony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Dennis Waitley, Joe Vitale, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Wilmingson, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Earl Nightingale, and many, many others in the self-help and personal development fields. Many can trace their quantum leaps to the day they connected with this man. His name is Gary Chappell, and he is the recently retired CEO of Nightingale Conant. Nightingale Conant, which was founded in 1960, is known as the world's largest publisher of self-help and career career building information in the form of CDs, videos, and digital downloads. We really target commuters, people who can use that downtime to educate themselves to further a career, Chapel said. We teach people critical success skills that they don't learn in university. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce our guest, ladies and gentlemen, Gary Chapel, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. We're actually really lucky to have you. Like I said, prior to reading your bio, it's absolutely amazing. Every time I think about mindset, I do think about Gary because he is one of those people that has been so instrumental in, in this topic. And I feel like, again, this is a very important topic to talk about. So Let's go ahead and get into it. Gary, there's a lot going on in the world, don't you don't you think? 
<laughs> there is indeed. It's a funny year. Yeah. Okay. So everyone is talking about mindset, but few people understand what mindset means or what it takes to cultivate um, a healthy mindset. I teach business consulting and I find that oftentimes people like to skip over the mindset section because they don't really think it's that important. They want to go right into the marketing or they want to talk about, you know, how to make the sale, which are definitely things that are equally important. However, that mindset I find to be a really foundational piece in everything that we do. We live in a world today where anxiety is so high. And I think that says a lot about the mindset of people. Yet there's a lot of books out there about mindset and people have been constantly talking about this topic. And yet you see like anxiety levels constantly rising. So Gary, what do you think that we're missing and what does mindset mean? Well, that's a very good question. And I think I could probably help answer that if you'll let me journey back in time a little bit, because you know, I am actually a student of the product we sold at Nightingale Cone, or continue to sell, actually. Um, so when I was 30 years old, so my path, by the way, to uh, becoming the CEO of Nightingale Cone didn't happen through a university, didn't happen at a high level. I started at Nightingale Cone as a carpenter. And... Um, and um, so even prior to that, um, I had been a student of psychology. I went to the University of South Florida to study psychology. It's always been a passion of mine. So the way the mind works has been a curiosity. And I think that's really what's led to um, my life journey. But um, when I was 30 years old, I was playing in a band. That was my uh, and I was a handyman. I was a carpenter. And um, um, I lived in a treehouse. And um, it was no fancy trees house. It was a couple pieces of plywood, plywood nailed to, a, to a, a branch in a tree that was about 25 feet up. And uh, um, I would stay up every night till about 4.30 or 5. You know, we'd go do a gig and then I'd, we'd go have breakfast and I'd come home and I'd climb up my tree. And um, I had a pickup truck that had two doors that didn't work. I had to dive through the window to get in and out. So, you know, I had very humble beginnings. And, uh, um, um, and at one point I realized, you know, this life just didn't for me at 30 years old, playing in a band during your twenties was great fun, but, uh, you know, you get to 30 and, uh, and so I ended up coming to Chicago to visit for Christmas and, um, it was so cold. I didn't own a jacket because I lived in Florida. <laughs> and so, it was it was sixty below windshield, and so I didn't get go get didn't get to go downtown to the bars. And so uh, my brother was running the construction crew at Night Galcon, and I asked him to put me to work for the week that I was in town, and um, he did. And while I was there, I was in the in the I was helping build a recording studio. They just brought manufacturing in, and I asked if I could listen to their best selling program. I had a Walkman, you know, I had music, so I wanted to listen to uh, what their best-selling program, and that program was called The Psychology oh. of Winning, and it completely flipped a switch in me. I had never heard these things. They were, they were, there were topics like uh, goal setting and self-direction and self-esteem and all things I'd never heard before, even though I had been a, a psychology student. Nobody had approached it uh, the way that I'd heard through Dennis Waitley and Psychology of Winning, so... Uh, I just got completely turned on by the product. I got offered a job, and I just continued to to listen and learn from everything 
that, that we sold. And by doing that, I was able to advance through the company and eventually retire as the CEO. Now, the point of that story is you can go from being a bum in a treehouse to anything you want to be with the right mindset. Now, does that define mindset? No, it doesn't, but it certainly tells you, you know, that the path is legitimate. And not only, you know, it's not my story that's so, you know, interesting. It's the thousands of testimonials we got every day from, maybe not every day, but every month um, from Nightingale Kona, at Nightingale Kona from our customers that, you know, had, had heard this material. So there's such legitimacy to it. And, the you know, the, the notion of first and foremost, having a positive attitude. It's not just a phrase. It's not just a term. It's a legitimate um, goal, you know, to have. And so, you know, mindset is extremely important and it's critically important at this point in time when we're dealing with, uh, you know, the fallout from COVID. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about, you know, you're, so at this time, you're, you're not expecting to get into this company and it feels like it's, it was divine appointment it was destiny <laughs> yeah i mean you, you know what i think it was i think it was that there was a point uh, as a matter of fact there was a storm that came in that tree when i was living in the tree house and it rocked me back and forth in the middle of the night i thought i was going to mm-hmm. go over the edge the next morning i got up and i said i need to change my life i think it started with me Say, making uh, and it was very decisive. I remember it as crystal clear uh, as could be, as though it was just a minute ago. I made a distinct decision. I don't like the way my life wow. is going. I want to mm-hmm. change, and I think it was that decision. So I think that, you know, I think that that's what we have to do in life is we have to decide we're going to have a positive attitude. You got to learn how. I mean, there's steps. There's things you go through, and you know, we we'll, hopefully we'll talk about some of those steps a little bit later. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're we're definitely going to get into that because you know when you talk about positive mindset, you know, oftentimes people you you're, you're met with resistance these days, and I think it's because people. Um, don't understand. They don't. They don't understand what it means to have a positive mindset, and they think, in some ways, it means to to hide all your pain or to pretend like everything is perfect. And that is that is not what it means. And we're going to get into that no. because I think it's very important that no. people understand <clears throat> what people mean when they say have a positive mindset. So before we get into that, though, so this this you're getting into this this new job, and and then all of a sudden you. How does it work where you become a Napoleon Hill ambassador? Like, wh- what does that mean? And, and what kind of mindset does that require? Well, so, so again, I have to start with a story. So as I'm going through my career at Angekona, we offer so many different authors. And we had, we, you know, one of the, one of the 2,000 products we offered was uh, uh, a program called The Science of Personal Achievement by Napoleon Hill. And I had not heard Napoleon Hill yet. Um, but as at one point I got into marketing and marketing was, you know, I, I, boy, I just love marketing. It's really what kind of advanced my career. It's where I really, uh, where I was really able mm-hmm. to shine. And, um, I decided, you know what, we had a free trial offer. Yeah, that was our, that was the strength of the company is we would send you a program. Um, you didn't have to pay for it. If you wanted to keep it, you would send us a check. If you didn't want to keep it, you would send it back mm-hmm. to us. So the return rate, you know, as in, you know, when it comes to marketing, 
metrics are everything, measure everything. You, you know exactly where every dollar goes. So, so um, re- the return rate really determined how good the product was. If it was a low return rate, people loved the product. So I decided, you know, I wanted to find out what was the lowest returning product we offered that sold a substantial amount mm-hmm. of programs. And that turned out to be the science of personal achievement. And so I, you know, I, I pulled a copy of it. I listened to it. It was, it was really good. I mean, for me, I just loved it. It was Napoleon Hill's voice. He's got a little bit of a Southern accent. And, and the thing about Napoleon Hill is, you know, he published uh, uh, The Laws of Success and Think and Grow Rich in, you know, in the 30s. And, um, and so many of the authors we published drew their material mm-hmm. from him. Everybody studies mm-hmm. uh, Napoleon Hill. And so many of the authors, so I realized that, wow, here was a, here's kind of like the source. So I studied all this material. You know, by that time, I'd heard so much of his information through the other authors that kind of pulled his material out and put their own spin on it. So I was familiar with it. But when I retired, um, I'm, I'm, um, I, I really got closely associated with the foundation while I was working at Nightingale Conant. We set up a, 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 a good JV between the two of us. And, uh, and I was personally in charge of that because, you know, I just love the organization, love Napoleon Hill. And when I retired, I didn't want to get out of personal development. I love doing it. So I licensed some content from them, started my own little website. And so, and so now, you know, I, um, you know, the ambassador part is I am very honored and proud to represent Napoleon Hill. I take, I just care so much about every customer that I come in contact with. Um, I try to spread the word about Napoleon Hill and, uh, you know, and make sure everybody's taken care of that I come across when it comes to Napoleon. Well, I think, you know, it says a lot to be an ambassador, a Napoleon Hill ambassador. I mean, my goodness, you mentioned, uh, one of my favorite books and I think, you know, it's a book that you absolutely have to have in your mindset arsenal, I feel. And it goes back to the classic Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill's classic Think and Grow Rich. That book, do we know how many copies of that book has been sold? Yes, we do. We, we know that over 100 million variations of that product. Wow. Wow. And that is a lot oh of my books. Gosh. And 100 million, 100 million people can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. I've even read it. Uh, there's another version of it, uh, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice. And I thought that was really unique because it was written for, for um, a specific target audience of Black people or African-American people. And I thought that's really interesting because, you know, to, to make a book specific for to take a framework or to take something so popular and to make it specific for a particular group of people, what he did and, and what happened was very, um, very unique, not something that typically happens. How did Think and Grow Rich expand like it did? And then how did it get into these, how did it become specific to certain targets like Think and Grow Rich, a black choice? Whose idea was that? Which is an amazing idea, by the way. Right, right. Well, um, obviously, word of mouth helps spread the word. And and when I say 100 million people can't be wrong, you know, what I mean is that, you know, that's a lot of copies because a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people get impacted by it. A lot of businesses, you know, follow that philosophy. 
Um, and so, you know, mostly through word of mouth is, you know, that, that's how that's grown. Now, um, Don Green is, um, is the, the chairman and the, and the director of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And I want to tell you, he is one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. I just adore the man. He's, he's sincere. He's honest. He's, you know, he does what he says he's going to do. He's the one that's really kind of spearheaded the, the, um, the, the different licensing. So he'll license the content and have people focus on, you know, unique niches. Uh, um, that, you know, the, the, that's exactly what mm-hmm. you're talking about. So, you know, I, th- I think that, you know, um, most of the growth in that area has happened because Don Green is just so good at what he does. Yeah, that's very creative. And then it, it opens up, um, it opens up opportunities for others that may not have, may not have seen the book had it not been specifically talking directly to them. And mm-hmm. I think that's very important. So let's go back to what we we're talking a little bit about earlier, which is this whole thing about being positive. So let me ask you, why do people appear to be against thinking positively? I feel like, you know, in this day and age, people are so divided. And I feel like the moment you come in sometimes with a positive message, you're met with so much hostility. I mean, I feel this all the time. I, I'm usually a pretty positive person. And so I find myself usually speaking positive, positively. And in a world where people are so divided, when you come in with a positive message, the first thing that you hear from people is, oh, she's, that's Dr. B. She's just talking her kumbaya talk. (laughs) That's what they call it. Kumbaya. Like, how dare you attempt to unify or how dare you attempt to bring a message of positivity? Why are people so quick to get angry and why do they celebrate? Why do we have a culture that celebrates this um, hostility versus being positive? You know, that's a question I believe I can answer. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. And it's because we're humans and we are an animal that exists on the earth with a bunch of animal, a bunch of other animals. We are a species of animal and at our core, we are very primal, um, you know, and that, and, and I, I identify that primal part of it as, as our ego. We have this ego in every, every one of us has, it was born with an ego. We get it the day we were born and we have it until the day we die. And it is like that little negative self-sabotaging defensive part of our mind that is that is inherent in every single person who has ever lived. It exists in everybody. And it's only those people that recognize they want to take control over their thoughts rather than the ego controlling them. And so, you know, you, the answer to your question is, is because most people are reactive and not proactive. Mm-hmm. And um, without without making it, you know, back when, like I said earlier, when I made the decision, my, I've got to, you know, I've got to change my career. Something's got to change. You have to make that same commitment to being responsible for your thoughts and being responsible for your life and for how things unfold for you. And that's the reason. And, you know, that's my definition. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said be responsible. Uh, which goes back to accountability. 
Um, there's a really good book that I love and it's called The Power of Personal Accountability and the author escapes me right now. Um, but it talks about how you're in control. And I think oftentimes people really forget, they forget or they're not aware of the fact that they're actually in control of what they decide to think about. And that at any point in time, they could make a decision to do something else. And I feel like it's like a light switch. Almost like um, what happened to me many moons ago when I was listening to uh, Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude Mm -hmm. and how the author was talking about how at any point you can turn your negative mental attitude, turn it over to a positive mental attitude. And I think people don't understand what that means when you start talking about being positive. So what does it mean to be positive? Because we're not talking about slapping on a plastic smile and acting like everything is okay and a kuna matata. Right. What are we talking? What do you mean when you say be positive and, and, and think positive and do positive? Well, I think it really comes down to if you if you wanna have control over your life, over your life, you have to give up being a victim. I mean, it really, that's kind of at the core of it. You have to, you know, you have to quit blaming, you know, and, you know, it's interesting because when you, every time you blame somebody for some, some, you know, whether it's an event or an individual or a group of people or a country or um, when you blame, when you place blame, you are literally handing over control of your life to them. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality of it. You know, and, and that doesn't mean that people don't have terrible things happen to them, you know, and um, but, you know, the, we have the ability to choose again, to make a choice every second of the day. We have the option to let go of those hor- horrors and take responsibility for our own path and our own thought. And if you're hanging on to being a victim, You'll never be, have a positive attitude. You'll, you know, you'll always be a victim. You'll, you'll always blame. You'll always be fearful. You will have no control over your life. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, um, I've seen this happen over and over again, and this is a kind of a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, and w- one story in particular, I used to work with this gal for 20 years and she was a, like a great employee, very young gal. She started when she was 18. She had a very rough upbringing. She overcame it like me. She learned from the program. She, you know, she became, she rose up in the organization. That was one of the great things about Nightingale Conant was all about performance, uh, um, and um, she she rose up through the organization, and, and then at one point she got in a car accident, mm-hmm. and she you know and she wasn't hurt you know you you could she lived around um, you know you could tell she was on the mend, but she decided to sue the person that hit her, mm. and when she made that decision, it destroyed her life. Oh wow. She, because she decided that she was going to become a victim. Mm. And once you place blame and you do it at such a, in such a public manner, then you have to be the victim. Mm-hmm. And she, and her mindset, and I've seen this story many times with different people and, you know, not just in the courtroom, but, you know, in different ways, how we shift, how we turn over control. And she eventually you know, she sued a few people. She became a drug addict. She got hooked on painkillers. Oh. She destroyed her life 
because because she decided to blame somebody. She didn't have to go that route, but she recognized oh, somebody probably encouraged her to to do it because they could get money, and so mm-hmm. she just followed somebody's advice. And and that's you know that's kind of what happens is you you know you 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 have a choice every day whether you want to be a victim or not. And once you do, once you choose to be a victim, you have to watch out because you you've you've lost control of your life. Oh, I absolutely agree. And you know that is a huge piece of this mindset, this victimization. And we, we see this all the time and we're going to get into that more because like I said, I think that's a really big piece that we must tackle. Um, but before we do, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a commercial break and get a word from our sponsor. In a world that's ever changing and a future ever uncertain, more than ever, we're looking for ways to better our life, better our day, and redefine what it means to feel well. We at Kavana Health, an Oklahoma-based, GMP and kosher certified manufacturer of hemp-derived ingredients and finished products, have had a core mission. All of us and each of us must redefine what it means to live well. Whether it's our tinctures, topical, or pet products, Kavana Health remains committed to the highest standards of production and packaging with the highest quality industrial hemp and a state-of-the-art extraction lab. Come shop with us at www.kavanahealth.com or say hello on Facebook and Instagram at kavana.health. We are Kavana Health, redefining wellness. Okay, America, welcome back. Thank you to our sponsor at KavanaHealth.com. Again, we are talking to our guest, Gary Chapel, and today's topic is Mastering Mindset. And so before we went on our commercial break, we were talking about the victim mentality and how so many people have that. How do you escape the victim mentality, Gary? Well, like I said before, I think that you have to you know, you have to decide you want to take control of your life. You know, it's very tough if you're a victim. You know, you're, it, it very often takes people hitting rock bottom before they, you know, decide to change change their mind. But, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a choice you have to make. You know, the thing about people that are miserable is in reality they're calling for, for help. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and what I've learned is that you, you, people are either giving love or calling for it. And it really kind of, you know, and as, as funny as this sounds, you know, love is not just a mushy, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. you know, in reality, when people ask me what the definition of success is, with that question, without hesitation, success is I'm happy most of the time. Because you're not going to be happy if you don't have financial, you know, um, abundance to some degree. You want to you want to live comfortably. You want to pay the bills. You want to feed yourself. You want to care for your family. So, you know, you you can't be happy. And and the and the reverse is not true. You know, it's not true that money makes you happy because you can have tons of money and be miserable. And I've known many many people that you know live that life. You look at all the actors and actresses and musicians that you know kill themselves because you know that they they haven't learned to be happy. So, you know, t- to me that's the definition of happiness and so and the thing that makes us happy is the amount of love we have in our lives it's really the amount of love we give you know love love by my definition flows out it is not something that flows two ways 
you don't feel the love of others. As a matter of fact, when you're a victim, you tend to push away people that love you. You know, they legitimately love you, but you don't feel it. You feel love when you give it. That is the reward. And so if you really want to stop being miserable, start finding something to love. If you can't start with yourself, which is the critical, that's the most important relationship we have in our lives is is the relationship with, with ourselves, hands down. Because if you don't love yourself, it's going to be very difficult. Your mom will love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe sometimes your dad will love you. And you know, maybe your siblings. But you have to love yourself. So if you really want to, the starting point is learn to love yourself. If you can't do that, find somebody else to love. Find something to love. You know, love a dog and let it, you know, and start spreading it around. You know, the the thing about self-love is, is that in reality, you're only going to be as successful or happy as you believe you deserve to be. Mm. And if you don't love yourself, you're not going to be, you know, you've put a cap, you know, that level that you have, that Mm -hmm. has placed a solid ceiling on how successful you're going to be. So you, you know, I I do mentoring for, for, for a lot of young business people, entrepreneurs, and it's always the mindset that I address first, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can get to the marketing, you can get to all these details, you can get to the way, you know, the relationship with people. um, But, but, I always start with love yourself first because that is going to establish because when you love yourself, people like you, they they want it. They go out of their way to help you. They help you move along. They help you succeed. They want you. They want to see you succeed if you love yourself and and success isn't this self-serving, arrogant things, you know, real self-love is very humble. You know, real. It's very calm. It's very quiet. It's not arrogance by any stretch. It is this very calm acceptance for who you are. You know, and and a lot of people ask me, well, how do I love myself? You know, and you do that. So I'm going back to your question. You know, how do you get? How do you quit being miserable? You make it your number one goal. You put every other goal aside. You make it your number one goal to love yourself. And you work on that. And I say, make it a minimum three months. You work on that constantly. doesn't mean you give up on your other goals. You just put them on the back burner and you make that number one goal. And that will, that alone can completely transform the way you feel, the, the opportunities that pass in front of you, your ability to recognize opportunity. Because when you don't love yourself, you're wrapped up in these thoughts that just keep looping over and over again you know you get caught up in this mind mesh that's just you know it's just throws you you know you, you you're lost you're you're trapped and so um and so the way you love yourself is you learn to forgive you know again and forgiveness isn't a spiritual or religious um concept it is a psychological concept as a matter of fact it's the single most powerful psychological tool we have at our disposal because it allows us to let go of the baggage that we carry with us from the past. When you forgive, you're not letting anybody off the hook. You're simply giving yourself a gift by not letting that weigh you down anymore. So you do it through forgiveness. And then third, you learn, and this is really the most critical thing, you learn to take control of your judgments. 
Mm-hmm. We wake up in the morning and the first thing we start doing is judging. We'll, you know, some, the, the worst thing you can do when you get up in the morning is pick up your cell phone and look at your, look for so, social acknowledgement, right? How many likes did I get? You know, mm. how, you know I, I said this, how many people are, how many emails do I have? You know, how many people are reaching out to me? It's the worst thing you can do. You need to really kind of set your mind on, you know, what, what do I want to do? How do I want to feel today? You know, what do I want to do today? You know, what's the state of mind I want to have today? You put, you, you devote those first few minutes to, to planning your day and not to looking for social acknowledgement because that'll never satisfy you. That's, you know, that's an addiction, to be honest with you. Yes. <laughs> you know, Gary, first of all, I hope you guys are out there taking notes because, you know, Gary is out here dropping some knowledge bombs and everything that you say, Gary, is just, it resonates with me so well. I mean, from overcoming the victim mentality to taking accountability and and making it number one to love yourself. I think that's really huge because if you don't love yourself, like you said, I mean, you're already starting off from an empty cup. You're starting off with an empty cup when you don't love yourself. And and how how are you going to accept love if you're constantly, if you're rejecting it? You, You are rejecting it within yourself. So how can you accept it when someone attempts to give it to you? This is very interesting. I like what you mentioned about forgiveness too. You know, we, forgiveness is for us. We often think that it's for that other person. It's for us. It's for us to be right. able to move forward, to release ourselves, to take our energy with us. Mm-hmm. I also like what you said about how do I want to feel today? I think once again, it goes back to reminding people that they actually do have a choice. They have a choice in how they're going to feel. How do you want to feel? Do you want to feel like shit today? <laughs> if you want to feel like crap today, then by all means. However, it's going to, you're going to create a downward spiral for yourself. I like what we mentioned before the break when you said something about how, you know, a person can allow themselves to become a victim. And this is very, very true. I go back to many, many, many moons ago when I'm a survivor of abuse. And I never, I never gave myself the chance to be a victim. I never decided to be a victim. And I think that is one of the reasons why it was easier for me to heal because I never saw myself as a victim. If I did see myself as a victim, I would be in a very hopeless place. And again, we're not saying that people are not victimized. We're not saying that bad things don't sometimes happen to people. What we're saying is how you choose to look at that thing. It's about your perspective and, and actually knowing that you can overcome you can overcome a lot of the challenge or any of the challenges that you face, you really can overcome. And sometimes we feel lost because of our mindset, because our mind won't let us see the possibility of freedom. Our mind won't. We're like victims of our mind, prisoners of our mind, which reminds me of the book that Joyce Meyer wrote, Battlefield of the Mind, which you feel like sometimes the mind can be a battlefield. Yes. And so we talked about 
the best way to encourage people who are miserable. And Gary gave us a lot of keys that we can use. And so I think it's really important that we take advantage of the keys. And again, going back to self-love, I think it's just so important. We're talking about how you, you can have, you can be a millionaire, you could be a billionaire, but if you don't have this sense of self-love, then you're going to still be miserable. This happens all the time. Happens all the time. This happens all the time. So Gary, what led you, well, we talked about what led you to this type of work because, you know, it was divine fate. Did you always subscribe to Napoleon Hill's principles? No, no. As a matter of fact, you know, I had a turning point in my life. This was even before I lived in the treehouse. You know, I was actually a pretty happy guy up until that storm. You know, it was just, uh, I, it just kind of went, you know, this, this, I don't like this anymore. But prior to that, um, my sister had approached me, and I, th- I was probably around 27 at the time. And my sister approached me, and she was studying this, this, uh, this book, and she said, "Gosh, Gary, you know how we're raised to believe that that ju- we use judgment to to differentiate between bad people and good people, or bad situations, good situations, and you know we use judgment to protect ourselves." And she says, "But this book says that's not true. That that judgment is is ruling our emotions." Mm. And and so you know it, it sounded interesting. So we we made a pact to to explore that. We decided, okay, we're going to go through the next day. We're going to wake up in the morning and we're going to, and we're going to not judge anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were smart enough to say, okay, we know we're going to catch ourselves judging something, but we're going to, we're going to go, no, no, I know I judge that, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to react. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to, uh, I'll get pissed off at that guy that pulled out in front of me in traffic and made me slam on my brakes. So I'll wait until the day after, and then I'll yell at him as loud as I can. But tomorrow I'm not going to do that. That was a day, that was the day I discovered what happiness was. I never knew what happiness was. I mean, mm. I had moments of happiness, mm. but I was ecstatic that whole day because, because there's a direct correlation between judgment and your emotions. Mm. And the degree to which you judge is literally the dial that dictates whether you are happy or not. Mm. And it's our judgment. And, uh, you know, I challenge anybody. I challenge all my mentoring students and many people I meet to try to go through this. I'd be shocked if 2% of the people I talk to are ever successful in doing it. Mm -hmm. Everybody, most people fail. Uh, I was fortunate. I got through the whole day and it made me realize, wow, I had no idea how much control judgments had over me. And so what it does do for you is if you were to rise to this challenge and try it yourself, listener, um, you will quickly understand the correlation between the level of what you judge and and how happy you are Mm -hmm. because it's judgments that dictate that, that emotion for us. Oh, wow, Gary, that's so deep. It's so deep. And I love that because, you know, it, you don't realize it until you actually shine the light of consciousness on it. And what you did many moons ago is you woke up and you said, you know, wait, wait a minute. Today, I'm going to fire the judge in my head. And I feel like there's great freedom in that. I read this some time ago and I can't remember. It probably was Eckhart Tolle because I love Eckhart Tolle. 
Um, self-help books have been amazing, by the way, you guys. Listening audience, <laughs> self-help books have been so amazing, not just reading them, but actually applying the information, applying the knowledge within your life space. I think sometimes people, they, they're against self-help books because they're like, oh, it's not going to work. Well, guess what? You know, knowledge is not power unless it's applied. So you must right. apply the information that's in the self-help book. Gary, is, exactly. it, thank you, Gary. And Gary agrees. See, there you go. And so we're talking about this judgment. One of the best things that I ever read was firing the judge in your head. And I'm telling you, when you start looking at how much we judge and we judge everything, we judge everything. Your mind is constantly judging something. And it's very interesting how I feel it steals energy from you. I feel it steals energy for, from you because you're putting out a lot of energy. And I think sometimes when we're, we're, we're judging others, we're judging ourselves, we're always judging, judging, judging. And it's interesting what happens when you quiet or when you slow down and when you look at it. Gary, I got to tell you, I went to a silent meditation. I've been to a few silent meditations, but one of them was like a silent meditation that lasted all day. And it was very, very, very challenging for me because I, I, the moment I went into silence, I could hear my mind. I could hear all of the garbage that my mind says throughout the day. Your mind is busy, isn't it? Oh, my. <laughs> Your mind is busy. So we talked a little bit about this social media and how we're saying it's an addiction to look at your phone. And sometimes it really it really does put you in a negative state right away. And I think that's why people are so, why they're so um, anxious these days and why they're so depressed these days often because of social media, because of something that someone said on social media that triggered something within them. So why are people so triggered these days? Well, I think it kind of comes back to that issue of judgment, you know, because mm -hmm. we're, we, we kind of, you know, unfortunately, we live in a cesspool of fear. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just so much to be afraid of when you feel like you're a victim. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have so many, and I, I know this gets a little bit out there, but I have so, I should be dead 10 times over, but I've had so many miraculous things happen to me that, uh, you know, literally saved my life, changed my life. Um, you know, it, it's absolutely amazing how life unfolds when, you know, when you don't feel like you're a victim. You know, mm. it, I, I think it kind of comes back to, you know, how do you get out of fear? I think you have to start, quit, you know, again, what we talked about earlier, you've got to stop blaming. One of the things I do, as a matter of fact, I do not look at the news anytime during the week. Now, I want to be informed. I want to know what's going on. So I reserve that for, for the weekend. I'll look at the news and get caught up. And, and, but, I mean, my life doesn't – I haven't missed a darn thing by following that <laughs> protocol. My life hasn't been, you know, ruined. You know, I don't live a, you know, a, a miserable life because of it. It helps me perform during the day at the highest level possible. And so, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of, you know, quit being a victim, love something, you know, quit blaming, love yourself, give yourself some goals that are worthy, you know, that pull you in, in, a, in a very positive direction. And, um, you know, I, I think that's how you go about it. 
Yeah, I think that's really huge, Gary. I mean, once again, there's a lot of uh, key key things that you said there, especially as it relates to the news. I mean, oh my gosh. If you want to uh, be inundated with negative information, then please feel free to watch the news all day. There's going, <laughs> You're going to find a lot of negative information on the news. If you want to be released from that, then take a break. Take a moment. You'll be all right. You're not going to miss much. <laughs> like I can guarantee you uh, today, crappy, tomorrow, crappy. That's what the news is going to say. At the same time, you still have the opportunity to create your own life situation, regardless of what the news report says. And I think that's really huge. Gary, I don't uh, I don't watch TV. I'm not a TV person. And I feel like that really has helped me a lot. Um, having I haven't been into TV for years and I really feel like that has had a really positive effect on my mental health because I'm not sucked into the programming. And I find that people oftentimes get sucked into the programming. They get sucked into this, you know, now there's a, it seems like a division program that's constantly playing where everyone's divided and people, everyone's a victim and people are, people are attempting to out victim, out victimize each other. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I think all it does is create this sense of separation. So how does a nation that's divided come together and what kind of mindset do people need to have in order for that to happen? Well, I think it starts with acceptance. You know, I think you got to understand that, look, we're, whether you like it or not, we're all in this together. <laughs> and and if we think that there's a disconnect between us, we're just wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, it, there we are connected in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of comes back to, you know, it, 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 it really comes back to love to me, you know, because we know that division you know, we've, we've, because we're the species, we're this animal, we've been at war since the beginning of man. And we fight and we bicker and we, and we create these reasons to, to hate each other. And the only progress we ever make is by accepting, you know, is by letting go, is through forgiveness. And, you know, there's not a human being in the world that doesn't react to legitimate kindness. You know, it's interesting mm -hmm. because you have, you have, um, it's almost like I look at the world, you, you know, and you see news in social media, which may or may not be news, but I mean, it's everywhere. You're inundated with all the, you know, with, with news everywhere. But I kind of like to look at, I look at, I look at, I look at the different groups of people that, that most people don't have acceptance for. And you mm -hmm. almost can treat it like a, like a trapped animal, right? Mm -hmm. There's some, there's some animals like a young, uh, as a matter of fact, a, a young squirrel fell out of a tree with a, from a storm the other day. And my whole family kind of got around, you know, saving mm -hmm. it and taking up, getting it in the right hands. And, you know, mm -hmm. and there's, there's like the little squirrels that, you know, that really respond to that, that touch. And, but in we, in the end, we, we know, we know that it was kindness and doing the right things, doing, doing the things that, you know, you do out of love, you know, you'll do anything out of love. And mm -hmm. so that helped that squirrel. And then on the other hand, there's animals that are scared, but they become vicious when they're trapped, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not trapped, but they're, you know, that they need help, but, the, but they're very, you know, they're very aggressive. And so they're a little bit, you have to treat them entirely different. And there's no 
party or individual or race or religion that doesn't respond to people that genuinely care, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not a discussion. That's something that you give. And I think, you know, I think that the way we unify is, you know, it doesn't mean you, you don't stand up for a cause. Um, you know, I definitely believe that you become proactive, um, and, you know, you don't, and I think a lot of people think that, you know, positive attitude is just, you know, let people get away with things that they shouldn't be getting away from, mm -hmm. get, getting away with. Yet it's, you know, that's not the case at all. You know, you, you remain proactive. You just do it in a way that is, you know, that is kind. And if you have to do it on an individual level, you do it on an individual level, but you start somewhere and it always starts with, you know, again, I think love drives everything. Love makes your life feel good, gives you happiness, you know, makes people want to support you. And I believe it's the thing that, that binds us and brings us together. Oh, yeah, I, abso I absolutely agree. Love is the key. I love everything. <laughs> and I love everything that you said. Again, about going back to responsibility and, and the self and doing the self work, you know, acceptance. Acceptance is huge. I feel like we have to learn how to play with each other on a, uh, learn how to play together on the same playground. And I think that, you know, sometimes we forget that, you know, I like to say that we're a box of crayons, you know, we're, we're a variety and yet we're the same. And I think it's very important that we know that having a positive mindset doesn't mean that your head is in the clouds. It does actually mean that when it is time to take action, you do. And you could probably take a, mo um, uh, a focused action or an action that's going to really implement change because it's coming from a positive place. It's coming from a place of peace. It's all about your intention. So we talked a little bit about fear. And before you know, we close out, I want to talk just again, how do people overcome the mindset of fear? You know, that's a really interesting question because all I can do is tell you how I overcome fear, mm -hmm. you know, um, and a lot of people, I, I always, I always meditate, which means, which means I sit down and I look at the thing I'm afraid of. And first I clear my mind. And to me, meditation is nothing more than, you know, I'm not envisioning rainbows and, you know, and flowers and birds, you know, to me, that's <laughs> not meditation. Meditation is clearing your mind, trying to think no thoughts so that you have a clean slate that, that, so that when you, when you're able to do that, you're letting go of the past, you're letting go of the fear for a moment, you know, you're just taking a moment. And then I kind of turn my attention to, okay, what is, what is it I'm afraid of? What's the specifics? You you attack it like a you're you're a problem solver, mm -hmm. right? You're you're an engineer and you're engineering your way out of the situation, whatever it is that's making you feel fearful. If you you know if you're sick, you know if you're afraid you're sick, for example, that's you know obviously a very common fear right now. Mm -hmm. You know you obviously go test it. You, you know you develop. Um, you know, the strategies for making sure that, you know, you take the right vitamins, you eat the right foods, you do the things that you need to do. You know, I, I think that, you know, fear is an issue that's common. It comes up every day for, you know, most people. And uh, we just have to really kind of think through the logistics and in more often than, than not common sense rules the day and <laughs> makes you go, you know, I have really no reason to be afraid at all. You know, I'm afraid of the future is what's going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're not, and I'm not being in the moment. I'm letting the future 
you know, dictate my emotion as opposed to being in the moment and going, you know, you know, okay, well, let's just, let's think about this logically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough one, you know, it's hard to get a, a very fearful person to snap out of it, but, um, you know, that's the way I go about it. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's almost like you have to, if a person is very fearful, it's almost like they have to go, um, they need treatment. And I think fear is almost like a dis-ease because it creates dis-ease. And, and you see so much fear in the media, which is why we're talking about how it's good to take a break from it. Because if you continue to let something within your consciousness, then it's going to affect you or it may affect you in ways that you don't even realize, you guys. So I must say that when I initially when I set out to do this topic, on mindset. My goal was to create a mindset panel. Okay. I wanted to create a mindset panel. I had this beautiful idea, but I must tell you, I had issues securing guests because this is a topic where it's, it's hard to find people that can really speak on it. And it's even harder to find people that are living it, who are living their truth. And yet we have with us Gary Chapel, former CEO of Nightingale Koenig, who is living the truth of what it means to have a successful mindset, what it means to master your mindset. And again, we're, we're lucky to have you, Gary. I really appreciate you, you being here. I'm sure that Gary doesn't like to be called a guru. And I'm, and yet to many people, he represents that guru wisdom. I want to thank our guest, Gary today. I want to thank you, Gary, for being part of our show. I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom um, before I let you go, though, where can people find you? Um, well, I have a website called greatlifementors.com. So um, that's a good place to go. Okay. And last but not least, Gary, before I let you off the hook, do you have any closing thoughts or remarks or tips that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I just, you know, when it comes this topic of fear was a really, it was a really interesting because I think so many people are fearful right now. And I think really, if you kind of apply the things we've talked about today, you know, self-love, be in the moment, you know, forgive, um, um, don't judge, you know, take, don't be a victim because if you can somehow can shift from that victim mentality to the mentality of I'm in control, nothing's going to overcome fear more than that abandon this this notion that you are not in control humans are so powerful the human mind is miraculous and you don't have to be intelligent you just have to have intention you know mm. you just have to have determination mm. um, intelligence doesn't buy you much you know it really doesn't if you don't apply you know if you don't apply intention you know you've got to act it's just what you said earlier you know you mm. can read a book but it's all futile if you don't act on what you read. So it's the same thing, you know, um, the, all the points that we talked talk about today, unless you act on them, you'll never know the true power that you possess. I don't care who you are, where you're from, you are far more powerful than you know. And, you know, and the only way you're going to discover that is to apply the right mindset. Wow. Wise words from Gary Chappell. Thank you so much, Gary. That was amazing. I really appreciate what you said. In my business success book for African-American women, which will be coming out very soon, and that's a shameless plug, I have a chapter dedicated to mindset. 
because I feel like mindset is very important, especially for individuals who are often taught that they are less than and that they are automatically victims because they're African-American women, for example. This is a lie and this is a tragic mindset to place someone in a category as a victim automatically because of what they look like is an ignorant mindset. And to accept that projection is like accepting a poison. There's a notable difference between sympathy and empathy. And sympathy often creates a mindset that looks down on others and then you're their savior. When you have empathy, you can see yourself in others. You're not superior to them. And that's a different type of mindset. So in closing, my final thoughts would be, number one, you want to review your mind. Think about what you're thinking about. Watch your thoughts. Become the observer of your thoughts. Once you do that, you'll actually realize that you're not your thoughts. You'll see that you have all sorts of thoughts coming in and you are not your thoughts. You are the witnesser to those thoughts. Once you do that, you will realize that you are not your mind. You are beyond your mind. And I think this is important. Again, thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you to our guest, Gary Chappell, former CEO of Nightingale Koenig. Well, that does it for another episode of OK America, where we rethink and reimagine. You can find us on Instagram at OK.America. That is OK.America. And if you're looking for Juliet's, you can find Juliet Lamar at JulietLamar.com. If you're looking for me, you can find me at Dr. B Speaks. That's Dr. B Speaks on Instagram and also on YouTube. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next time.